What is up and welcome back to Zen Business, the show that studies health and mindfulness habits that ultra high performers use to reach the top of their industry and their craft. I'm your host, Jonathan Maxim, Managing Director at K&J Growth Hackers and founder of five digital companies. We've grown these companies to great levels and created an exciting and fulfilling life for our team members, but the truth is it was much more challenging than we ever could have imagined. All right, now let's jump in. All right, what is up and welcome back to Zen Business. Jonathan Maxim here reporting in from Los Angeles. I am in the process of planning out my week because I have two weeks of travel starting on Sunday. I'm gonna be going to Dubai and New York and I obviously have to do some coordination. So jammed all my meetings into one week for the next three weeks. So yeah, things are a little bit crazy, but you know what, I feel very calm. And I'm actually excited. Um, so this, uh, this, this concept of feeling really busy, of feeling like got a lot of different priorities at play, it's one thing. But when you get other people involved, obviously that throws a curveball because people might ask for things, people might change their mind, et cetera. Just a lot of variables to be managing. So today I really want to talk about setting boundaries. And setting boundaries is something uh, I think relates to everybody, right? Like I think it's important for everybody to kind of have some baseline on how they set boundaries, but it's also not something that was, was taught in school. You know, I, I think that from an EQ perspective, we're, we're taught very little in school. And this is arguably more important than something like math, because this is like how you navigate society this is how you navigate people. And people are the channel to everything in uh, business and, and relationships and family, et cetera. You need to work through people. And we were, I don't ever recall a class where I was taught to set boundaries in college or, you know, grade school or high school or anything. So it's, it's, it's really, uh, it's really important. Now, having been involved in a lot of high caliber business deals where a lot of money is on the line, my observation has been that the more money on the line, the more sensitive people are. And so things have the potential to go awry more easily. So I'm going to speak from my own experience on this. I read books on it. None of them really helped that much, but I think it's really just a matter of, of understanding and identifying yourself and, and putting your clear boundaries and values uh, into written format and learning how to enforce those. It, it really is a matter of discipline here. And I'm going to go through exactly how I did that because, you know, even as uh, experienced as I am in business where most of my relationships are, I still find that if I get good at setting boundaries, people still manage to inch in in various ways. So no matter how good somebody gets at this, uh, it's always going to be a prevalent issue because you have different empathies for different relationships and you, you care about relationships for different reasons. And that creates uh, a margin of error, right? Like it, it creates opportunity to be more forgiving than we should or to accept things that aren't fit for us and so on. So in, in today's podcast, I'm gonna go over uh, how I've learned to set boundaries and, and maintain those. With that said, I wanna just state some, some important basics here. The first one is that everyone has basic human rights and oftentimes they're violated in my opinion. Uh, and maybe it would help just to hear those. So everybody has the right to say no 
without feeling guilty. I think I could do a whole podcast on saying no. It's one of the most valuable things in the world, if you ask me. Second, I have the right to be treated with respect. Third, I have the right to make my own needs as important as others, or more important in my opinion. Next, I have the right to be accepting of my own mistakes and failures. And I have a right to not meet others' unreasonable expectations of me. Now, me and my sales coach talk about this a lot because in sales, you're, you're constantly doing this dance of this power play of who's in control of the conversation, the process, and human psychology really is the, the backbone of sales work. It's all negotiation and persuasion. And what we call this on my team is equal business stature. And you could call this equal human stature or whatever for more personal relationships. But basically what this means is I'm going to approach you man to man uh, as if we're equals and you're going to respect me at the same level you would expect respect for yourself. So the things that you say, the energy you put off, the moves that you make all are done in the context of equal business stature. So again, the treatment you would expect me to give you, I expect the same. I don't care who's writing the checks. I don't care who's got the leverage in the conversation. We're approaching this as equals. And so that should really be your mindset going into every interaction. I have just as many rights as you in this conversation. I have just as much leverage, even if you don't, uh, but having that expectation of yourself that you can say no and you don't have to agree with what other people say. In fact, I often don't agree. I piss a lot of people off and, and for that I'm proud. You know, I'm, I draw clear lines of what I'm okay with and what I'm not. And I don't expect other people to necessarily adapt around my needs and wants and my values, but I do expect them to be respectful of the fact that I have my own needs and wants and to be okay with walking away. I think that's one of the most powerful things in negotiation or any interaction is being okay with walking away. And a lot of us, I think, come from a, a scarcity mindset. You've probably heard a lot about this concept, but you know, a lot of us were raised by boomers and boomers were raised in a generation where uh, it was just scarcity mindset. They, you know, the, their parents had come out of the depression era and you know, they would can food and you know, prep for disaster and things like that. So it's coming from a place of fear. And that's where scarcity comes from. And a lot of people act out of fear. In fact, decision-making is done in the emotional quadrant of the brain, right? So it's not done on the logic. It's done in emotion. And so when people are in a fearful state, that's why they get reactive. That's why they get aggressive because their safety has been threatened. So understanding that one, people are going to do things for their own reasons, their own incentives, and two, they're going to do things out of fear and emotion and you know any other kind of passion that they feel and understand that that's not factual. That is just how they're feeling. And feelings are irrational. They are emotional. They are organic. Whereas logic and fact are, these are agreed upon data points, essentially. This is fact. It's the, you can't really argue fact. So when you're in a, an emotional interaction, remember there is a, a logical backbone to this. And you need to be the one who cuts away all of the chaff or the fat from the conversation and gets down to the facts and doesn't even hear out when there's emotional flares happening. You shouldn't be humoring people's emotional outbursts because 
99% of the time, that is a, an emotional reaction that they're having. And it's a projection. They're projecting their fears upon you because their safety, their security is at risk in their emotional opinion. So approach things as if you have equal stature. That, that is a good basis to, to work from. So when it comes to actually setting boundaries, I have a, you know, a, a marketing agency and we have clients who we work with and they write the checks and they always feel like they have the leverage in the conversation. But the truth is that they don't have just as much leverage as they do. They might think they do, but I don't need them. I am happy to go find another client if this one's not a fit. So I've been in several negotiations where this boundary has been tested and, you know, they ask too much of me or they, you know, send an email at 11 at night and they get tested in the morning when I haven't replied to it. These are all normal interactions and get my day started with a a frantic reply or something like that. That's not healthy, right? So with that said, I really went deep on this concept of setting boundaries. And here's, here's the conclusions that I've come to. First, you have to know what your boundaries are. And I don't think a lot of us do. I don't think a lot of us have awareness of, of what those fundamental facts that not, we're not willing to negotiate are. I was uh, in a spiritual journey, uh, an ayahuasca journey, and basically what the universe or God or whoever you believe in told me was, before you can expect someone else to respect your boundaries, you must first respect them yourself. So that obviously implies knowing your boundaries and having awareness around them, but you really set the basis. You set the energetic tone for every interaction that you have. And if you haven't been respecting your own boundaries, then other people are certainly not going to either. A great example of this is when I was actually doing a meditation and a prayer day on a Sunday and one of my clients started blowing me up and it was like 4 p.m. on a Sunday. And I didn't reply to his request or anything like that. All I said was, I can't talk right now. I'm in prayer time. And that set the expectation that you will not be interrupting my prayer time. You will not be interrupting my weekend time if I haven't given you permission to. And so it moved the goal line back to a place where he knew he couldn't just hit me up and I would be on his, you know, at his beck and call. So that's a good example of first respecting your own boundaries. I see this message. This is outside of my working hours and I am not going to reply. And then once you make that agreement with yourself, then it's really easy to tell them, oh, look, I can't talk right now. And it's okay to say that. It's okay to, you know, something that came in on 4 p.m. on a Sunday could probably wait until Monday. And even if it can't, if this person is that disorganized that they need answers on a Sunday, you got to question whether you want to be working with them or whether you want to be in a relationship with them. So the easiest way to define what your own boundaries are, again, is bringing awareness to them. So how do we create awareness? Well, there's two techniques that I love, and they are meditation and journaling. And first, I'm going to talk about journaling. So what I want you to do is open up your notes app or wherever you take your journal down or, you know, your actual written journal, or if you don't have one, just open up a word document and ask yourself in the last week, who crossed the line with me, write their names down and be really clear because that will 
create a psychological connection between who is violating me and what that effect is. So first you got to understand who is crossing the line with you. Second, you got to ask yourself, what did they do? Okay. So-and-so hit me up on a Sunday and that crossed the line for me because I don't work Sundays and get really clear about it. You know, when, when you journal, you, it forces you to take the thoughts out of your mind and present them into cohesive words and, and ink them onto paper. And that's a really healthy behavior. One, because it gets it out of your mind and on paper, and now you can have relief. But two, this becomes your truth, right? When you write it down and you agree with yourself, this is who violated me, this is how they violated me, then this is now your facts or your baseline to work from. So in the last week, who crossed the line with me? Second, what did they do to cross the line? And third, this is a really important one. How did that make you feel, right? So when so-and-so hit me up on a Sunday, I didn't, I wasn't super alarmed or upset by that. It's pretty normal that my business contacts hit me up on the weekend, but it made me feel, at least in, in my case, that made me feel like I was not being respected, right? Like they don't care about my schedule. They don't care about the fact that I have a life. But it might trigger all kinds of emotions in you. It could be a partner who is, you know, texting another girl or another guy. How did that make you feel? Did it make you feel jealous? Make you feel angry? Understand your own emotions around this and understand also that those are emotional reactions. This, you know, the emotional brain works to protect us from danger. So it spurts out responses to different things that happen. And that is a reactionary behavior. So it's good to write it down. How did this make me feel? And once you understand how you made you feel, you no longer are attached to those emotions. Once you've written it down, it's now living on the paper and not in your mind. Next, I want you to write down why. What was their reasoning and incentive for doing this? So understanding the why is really, really important here. This will you know, allude to their intentions. What are their incentives here? And understand that everyone has their own priorities and incentives. They are doing things because they want something done, right? They are asking you for this because of a personal selfish interest. And understanding incentives is really important. Whether you're in sales or whether you're in a personal relationship, you got to understand the reason behind why people are doing something. If so-and-so hits me up on a Sunday. I mean, it's pretty obvious like, hey, I need X, Y, and Z from you. Can you send this contract over or whatever? He probably is getting pressure from a client who's asking him for this and he is passing that pressure on to me. But understanding that kind of, it, it makes things easier because now you don't have to play the blame game with him. You got to understand now he has his own priorities and reasons and, and needs. So when you push back, you're likely going to have him uh, realize that he needs to be pushing back on his contacts who are bugging him on a Sunday. And understanding incentives is really important. You know, everyone is doing things out of personal gain. That's the bottom line. Everyone has their own reasons they want something done. And the incentives are generally for self-actualization, for making money, for feeling good, and... If you notice that somebody is being aggressive with you, maybe they had a bad day. Maybe somebody was being aggressive with them prior and you can empathize with that more. And you don't have to necessarily be their soft shoulder to lean on, 
but you can understand, okay, this is a, a projection or an emotional reaction from this person. And you can understand that I also have moments where I have emotional reactions or I project, which leads me to another important extension of, of the why. Most people do things out of projection, period. When somebody is aggressive with you, it's because they are upset about something in their life, not because of something that you've done. There's a quote that my coach told me that I really love, which is nothing anyone else says or does can change who you are. So they're doing things because of their own insecurities, their own priorities, whatever it is, whether it's coming from a positive or negative place, they're doing it for their own reasons. It's unrelated to you. Yes, you may have a, a hand in the outcome of the situation, but ultimately it's their problem, right? So understand that you can't fix their problems. You can help them, but you can't fix them. And understanding their incentives, right? Like if, if somebody is bugging you about, you know, let's say somebody's bugging me about getting a proposal across, that's not because they want to write me a check and close a deal. That's because they're per personally getting a lot of pressure from their business side about, hey, we need to grow our marketing. We need to do X, Y, and Z. And when you understand that, again, you, you don't make it your problem. Frankly, it's probably their problem. So understanding the incentives is a great study. Um, so now that you've written all these down, what I want you to do is to set aside 10 minutes and meditate on it. Let the thoughts and feelings flow through naturally and organically. Now there's two types of meditation. One is where you focus, right? So you, let's just say you focus on the breath or you imagine a flame in your mind. That's not what we're doing today. The other type of meditation is where you let things flow naturally. So let it flow like a river. That's what I want you to do in this case. So you can put on some calm music or you know, sit in silence, but sit until all of those thoughts have passed through your mind. Eventually your mind will get tired and stop passing you thoughts. And at that point is when you'll get quiet. That is when the monkey mind is quieted. So your mind will naturally develop a bunch of solutions and answers to these things, or you know, speak how, how frustrated it is with certain people who have violated you and crossed your boundaries. But you need to let that all pass through once you've written it all down. And you'll probably have a lot of big breakthroughs and conclusions after you've written this down, understanding who is not respecting your boundaries and, and how they're doing it and all that. But by, by the time you get to go meditate about it, you'll have written down your challenges. And when you meditate, when the mind is quiet, when the distractions are removed, that's when the mind thinks the most effectively. So by writing the problems down and getting them out of your mind, now you can let your brain start to develop some solutions to these things. And this is an important thing. If it takes more than 10 minutes, do more than 10 minutes. Only you know how hyperactive your mind is. But people who haven't meditated for a long time are generally going to have a lot more pent up energy that needs to be pushed through and, and sorted out. So that's where you just got to sit quietly and be patient and let that stuff filter through. And if you've never had the feeling of a true meditative state, when the mind is quieted, you need to sit as long as it takes to let that stuff filter through. After this practice, I think you will have some breakthroughs period. Um, if you didn't, then I recommend continuing to journal, continuing to get these thoughts down on paper until there's really nothing left, just brain dump. And do this 
little cycle as many times as you need to, you know, it would be good to do this daily. You know, this whole process could take 10, 20 minutes, maybe 30 minutes and just set aside that time in the morning, wake up a few minutes earlier if you need to. So now that you know who's violating you, how they're doing it, why they're doing it, and you have come to a place of peace with that and your mind is quieted, you're going to be thinking more logically. And so that takes me to the second point on how to define your boundaries. So the second point is you need to create agreements with yourself and then create those agreements with other people, just like you would in business. It's all about managing expectations. Every relationship has a certain set of expectations, whether or not they've been articulately defined. One of my coaches actually had me write Relate, write a relationship agreement. So I agree to not look at your social media, or I agree to not go through your text messages, or I agree to take three seconds before responding or take six seconds. These agreements can be really, really effective because again, it sets a baseline that you work from. If you don't have a baseline or a goal line, there is going to be complete open-endedness. It's always going to be frantic and challenging because there is no clear stopping point or starting point. And that's really where we're trying to get with managing expectations and creating agreements. So the first action in creating agreements with yourself is to define your core values. So if you know what your core values are, then go to your journal, pick it up and write them down. Now you don't have to have a list of 10, you could have three or whatever, and you don't have to know them articulately. This is a practice, right? So we might write them down and then tomorrow realize, hey, I don't wanna put patience in there. I wanna put uh, proactiveness and that's okay. You need to do this process until those are solidified. So think of it like you're, you're whittling a piece of wood down. You got your little tree trunk or whatever it is that you're working with and you're constantly taking a blade to it and cutting off the unnecessary chaff or, you know, excess. So that's, you know, when you write your, your core values down, you should really be digging deep. Look at how you are raised, what you care about, what are your goals in life, and ask what are the values that I'm going to live by that are going to help me live a happy life day to day and reach my goals in the long term. So the act of, of writing down your values, I, I don't know, again, I don't know that this is ever taught in school or anything like that, but this is a practice that I think very few people do. I have written mine down every quarter since 2017, 2016. And, you know, it's, I guess it's been about five years now. I write them down on a quarterly basis and I, I put them into a handbook with my goals, my personal business goals in it. If you do want access to that handbook, it's called the Mental Operating System or the Zen OS system, um, do shoot me a, a message on Instagram at It's J Maxim and I'll be happy to share that. But again, I only share that with people who are actually going to do it. So don't come to me in a one-off and expect me to give you this piece of uh, value and resource that I paid uh, close to $10,000 for. All right. So Get out your journal and write down your five to 10 core values and we can cut the chaff away tomorrow, but just write down a bunch of things, brain dump the stuff that you care about. And when I was doing this, I looked at how do I define a value? What's a value? And what the conclusion I came to was a value is something that I would be willing to pay for either with my time, my money or my effort. So 
what are things that you value in a way that you're willing to make sacrifices for them? So when I went through this practice, mine were integrity, life experience, contribution, transparency, impeccability with my word. It goes on mindful, patient, proactive, intelligent. So these are all things that if these are violated by other people, if other people are making my life so that I can't have integrity, then I know they're living out of my values. And that list goes on. Actually, let me pull out my actual handbook and read you down what I wrote after I went through this practice and, and give the conclusive values that I, I came to or that, I, that I've settled on. All right, values in my opinion are something that we value highly. So what is that that you would pay your hard earned dollar for? For me, deep, genuine connections, traveling, exploring, and vacation, freedom to do what suits me when I choose to experience this multidimensional life fully, conscious elevation and experiences, integration, alignment, and clarity, confidence in my integrity, being impeccable with my word, and health and longevity. Now, if we look at those values, let's just go with number one, deep, genuine connections. If you have somebody who is threatening your deep, genuine connection with them or with somebody else, this person is inherently violating one of your values. So in that case, it's probably time to come to an agreement about that with yourself. Am I okay with this person doing this to me? Yes or no? Am I okay with having this person regularly involved in my life? These are the questions you should be asking around these values. So get your values written down. Again, you can start with like 10 or 15 of them. Just r rattle off words that define the things that are important to you. Yours may be different, you know, if you're raised in a, a religious church or something like that, then maybe you write down things like turning the other cheek or uh, not sinning or repenting or whatever it is. Um, for me, those are mine. But you need to have those defined because until those are defined, you're not going to have any baseline or benchmark to work from. And other people are not going to respect those because you subconsciously are making compromises on your own values. When you don't have them articulately defined like that, there is, it's very hard to do decision making around somebody who's violating you. It's much easier if you know, okay, this is threatening my ability to have deep, genuine connections with my friends. I need to do something about this. All right. Next in the bucket of creating agreements with yourself and other people is to write down how you would like to enforce those boundaries. So go into your journal and next to deep, genuine connections or whatever it is, impeccability, integrity, et cetera, write down how you'd like to enforce those boundaries. So now that we know who's violating our boundaries and how they're violating and when, we can start to figure out how we're gonna handle this in the future. When so-and-so texts me at 4 p.m. on a Sunday, I will wait. 24 hours or 12 hours before I reply. Simple as that. When somebody is verbally aggressive with me, I will take five minutes to reply. When somebody threatens me, I'm not going to produce a response immediately. I'm going to have silence. Whatever the how is, that's what I want you to write down next to each of those values. Whenever somebody threatens them, here's how I will deal with it or how I will enforce it. Next, I want you to write down in your journal 
and ask yourself, who doesn't align with my core values? Now that you define who's violated me, how they violated me, when and why, and you have a benchmark to measure those against because you've written down your values, you now know who is violating your values and how. And now you can know, is, is this somebody that I want to be involved with, right? Is this somebody that is adding energy to my life? That's, that's my baseline. Is, is this person contributing energy? Do I feel more energetic when I'm with them or do I feel less energetic? That's a really easy measure. This person is either draining or exciting. So now you know who doesn't align with your core values. And with that, be ready to let people, relationships, and businesses go that don't serve those values. You have to be okay with letting them go. Remember, nobody is going to respect your boundaries until you respect them. So you have to be able to say no. You have to be willing to let things go that don't serve you. And that's a very hard process. We have a lot of attachments to relationships, to things, to experiences, et cetera. It comes from our upbringing. It comes from nurture and nature, et cetera. And we were never really taught how to let things go in a healthy way. But for me, I have one friend who was constantly creating stress for me. He was freaking out all the time. He was hitting me up randomly and asking me to do favors for him and stop the middle of my workday. Finally, he did something that was a, a huge violation, which I think I waited too long to cut him off. But anyway, he did something uh, that was very, very offensive um, to my partner, actually. And so I drew a hard line. I said, I'm not going to fuck with you anymore. You are not going to be a part of my life. And then I looked at it and I said, is this person adding energy or draining energy from me? And it was a clear drain. So I blocked him on Instagram. I blocked his iMessage, et cetera. He, he now has no way to contact me. And you know what? We share a friend group, but I don't care. I'll, I'll be cordial when we're at parties or events or whatever, but he's not going to have any access to me. He doesn't have access to, to look at my lifestyle on Instagram. He can't text me when he's feeling upset. He's cut off. And you know what? I feel a lot lighter by it. And I'm really glad I did. Now, that's a more aggressive case of, of drawing a boundary. More in the day-to-day, -day, you're going to be setting expectations for how people are allowed to treat you because you set the baseline on how people are allowed to treat you. People treat you as they expect that they are allowed to. So by not answering that message or saying I'm not available or I can't reply right now or saying, no, this doesn't suit me, then you are setting that expectation and they can either respect it or they cannot respect it. If they don't respect it, then you maybe let them go. And it's an easy decision at that point. All right, lastly, how to stick to your agreements with yourself and other people. Last year, my word of the year, every year I do a word of the year. Last year, my word of the year was impeccability. So being impeccable with my word, do what I say and say what I do. And having this agreement with myself that I'm going to only make promises that I can keep and I won't make promises that I can't keep is a really healthy practice because basically what happens is I get invited to XYZ event on Thursday and then Thursday comes around and I don't want to go. Okay, I still go to that event because I agreed to. But now I'm miserable at the event for three hours because I don't want to be there. And next time, feeling the pain of having made a compromise I didn't want to, next time around, I will say no to that event, whoever is hosting it or throwing it or whatever. But 
the practice of dealing with your own mistake of making a promise you didn't want to keep will prevent you from doing that the next time. So I recommend coming up with a word like impeccability or setting boundaries or anything that's going to help remind you back to your journal. Write it on a sticky note or on your whiteboard, put it on your computer, put it on your mirror and have that program your brain. So every day when you wake up, impeccability with my word or drawing boundaries with certain people, whatever it is, put it somewhere you can see it regularly. I know this sounds foo-foo, but it really does work. There's a reason that people have been doing it for so long and it will program your brain in a way that every day you're reminded, I need to set this boundary. The next thing I'd like you to do is take your values, copy and paste them into a new entry in the journal. And this time I want you to write affirmations. So writing affirmations are basically statements around how you're going to be and who you're going to be. So you write down your affirmations and then the next step is you're going to record them on a voice note in your iPhone, just like a podcast would be. And then you're going to listen to that when you get ready in the morning. So, you know, brushing your teeth, whatever your first 30 minutes of the day, I want you to listen to your affirmations. Now, you can Google and find a set of, of written affirmations or whatever, or you can come up with them with yourself. But this, in, in the affirmations, you're going to write things like, I am impeccable with my word. I come from a, power, a place of power every day. I have the capability to make more money than I could ever imagine. I am respectable among people. I am respectful of people. So whatever those core values are, I want you to write them into your affirmations as statements. And these are present active tense. So not I am going to be better with my word. I am good with my word. I am impeccable. I am powerful. I am confident, whatever those are. And when you hear yourself listen back to these in the voice note, it's going to be your own voice. And it's a very reassuring feeling knowing that you've got your own back. If you do need uh, a baseline for affirmations to work from, feel free to, again, to shoot me a DM on Instagram at it's Jay Maxim, and I'll be happy to happy to share my sheet of affirmations with you. But I need you to do this every day, every day for 90 days. So write down your affirmations. This again is a, a working process. They'll probably change after a few days. Uh, and you know, you'll want to refine them until you get to the final product, but write those affirmations down, record them in a voice note and listen to them daily. I even listen to my own podcasts because I want to, I want to take the advice that I'm giving to other people. Same thing with your affirmations. This is your truth. You're speaking it out loud. And when you hear it from yourself, it provides a whole different level of confidence and commitment because you're reminded every day, okay, I'm not going to do X, Y, and Z. And then when that situation comes up, you're like, oh yeah, I just thought about that. I can't do that again. Next, whenever somebody crosses the line with you, first start by going to the journal and writing it down. Document these interactions so that you can understand them and think rationally about them, not emotionally. And then once you've gotten a practice of writing these frustrations down when they happen, I want you to, when you're in interactions with your partner or family or whoever, whoever might be crossing the line with you, I want you to speak nonviolent language so as not to agitate them. Remember, people are coming to you and asking for stuff out of a place of fear generally or projection. So if you come back hot, all you're going to do is agitate them and then it's going to become an emotional argument. People will become triggered. You need to be take, take the higher road 
and not let them get agitated. Set the precedent for the conversation that we're going to speak mindfully. So one easy baseline to work from here is the way I experienced it when you did X, Y, and Z was this. So you're taking ownership over how you experience something and you're saying, this is just my experience of it. So if somebody violates you and you need to confront them about it, then you say, the way I experienced it when you, you know, flirted with my partner was this. And I ask that you be understanding of my feelings here and either don't do that again or whatever solution that you have in mind. Or maybe you say, I'm not okay with this and I'm, I'm going to back out of this, this dynamic. Other nonviolent language you can use is how can we better manage this so both of us get what we want here? That is a very disarming statement. It's like, look, I'm not trying to fight with you. I just want to get to a solution here. And the last note here is the more they have hard conversations, the easier they get and the more people respect them. People respect them more because this is their new understanding of who you are. They're, you are not somebody they can toy with. You are of equal business stature or equal human stature. And people will stop crossing the line with you when they realize they can't. They don't want to be in confrontations. So they're going to avoid those by not crossing the line with you in the future. Some people are psychotic and will continue to do it. And you can cut them out as, as you need to. But you need to set a precedent for having hard conversations, a.k.a. speaking candidly. Tell people how you actually feel. Tell them your thoughts on the matter and work towards solutions. You know, in K and J, we have a really radical candor culture. I call out my partner on stuff all the time. I get frustrated with him visibly and I will, I will be very verbal about it, but I don't let it come from a negative emotional place. I don't say names or use violent language, like, you know, curse words and things like that. I say, look, you relate to this meeting. Why? And then he can answer. And at this point, it's become lighthearted and comical. It's like the, the tension has all gone away because we've had so many hard conversations. We've spoken candidly with each other so many times that this is now just the new state of our relationship. And he, can't really, he doesn't really get mad at me. And I don't get mad at him when he brings things up. Because we've had so many of these hard conversations, we don't take it personally at this point. All right, guys, I hope this has been helpful. You know, I have been dealing with people crossing boundaries with me, and I thought I would uh, orate on this while it was top of mind for me. I think that's when things really come from a place of, of meaning and passion and purpose. And so I hope this has been helpful. If it has, uh, I ask that you return the favor and, and share it with somebody, either in the DMs or in the group chat or uh, to your story, and keep creating this culture of mindfulness. All right. Looking forward to seeing you next time. I'll see you on the flip side. Cheers. Mm -hmm.